Hey everyone, welcome to Midcurrent Church Online and to the seventh week in our teaching series, Back to Normal. I was driving home the other day and my wife Erica called me uh, to tell me about her latest coronavirus conundrum, right? She had packed all three kids up and drove them to the YMCA to go swimming for the afternoon. And if you have young kids and you've ever taken them swimming, you know the process of getting little kids ready to go swimming. It is maybe the worst thing ever, right? It takes almost as much time to corral all of the kids into the locker room and to get them ready to swim as it does to actually go swimming. I think on average, you spend more time changing than you do swimming, right? There has to be some study out there somewhere that confirms that. I don't really know, but I feel like it has to be true. Either way, okay, Erica got all three of them ready and herself, and they were ready to go. And, and no one was in the pool, so they had the place to themselves. I mean, th those are the best afternoon. Uh, those are the best afternoons at the pool. And so all of them beelined it for the water, and, and they, they just jump straight in. Our kids love the water. They beelined it for the pool. And Erica tells me, no exaggeration, she tells me at the exact moment that all four of them had completely soaked themselves from head to toe, the lifeguard came over. The lifeguard came over to inform Erica that due to current COVID policies, the pool actually wasn't open until 6 p.m. that evening. And so Erica and the kids had to head right back to the locker room to begin the whole fun process all over again, not two minutes after they had just finished it. Now, I don't know about your family, I don't know about you, but sometimes it's still hard to adjust to how things work these days. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've uh, gone to a store only to realize I didn't have my mask with me, so I couldn't go into the store. I actually drove uh, to Edina uh, a few weeks ago for, for something that I wanted in a store, and I had to have an appointment to go into the store, and it wasn't until I drove all the way there that I realized I had booked the wrong appointment time, and so I missed my whole shot to get what I had driven all the way to Edina for. Now, none of this is meant to be commentary about these new policies. It's just that sometimes I find myself wishing that life would just go back to normal, right? My, my guess is you've had many uh, moments too where you felt the same way. You just wanted life to go back to normal. And I know for the most part we're referring to, you know, shopping and eating at restaurants and having access to all of the, you know, the activities and the events that we typically enjoy. And that's all good. But what I've wanted to do throughout this series is to use this time when all of us are just waiting for life to go back to normal. I wanted to use this time to take a closer look at what normal really is in everyday life today for so many people. Because when I step back and observe just a little bit, I gotta say, normal isn't all that appealing anymore. 
Right? Because it's become normal in everyday society to be overstretched and overcommitted and overstressed. It's become normal to be broke with debt up to your eyeballs. Right? It's normal for, uh, normal for people to make church kind of all about them. And it's normal for, pe- for people to graduate from church uh, you know, when they turn 18. And it's normal today to be addicted to cell phones and social media and so on. Right? That's just a little snapshot of what I think has become normal and, and, and in many ways just kind of expected today. And that's what we've spent uh, this series talking about so far. And not only is normal uh, not super appealing to me, if all of that is really normal today, not only is, is normal not appealing to me, but I would actually suggest, based on what we have talked about, that normal isn't really working for anyone any longer. And that's what this series has really been all about. And so today I want to talk about yet another part of our everyday life that that I think has become so normal and so commonplace um, that that, that I think it actually just needs some revisiting, right? Especially for those of us who have uh, already taken the, the first steps in faith. And if that's not you, I'm really glad you're tuning in today, right? You, you can uh, play along with us if you'd like, right? At the very least, I, I think what you'll hear is me giving you a sense of what I hope that this place is all about, right? Because there is something that has become so common, so uh, normal, and truthfully, the year 2020 has only made it worse, Right? Uh, opinions about the, the coronavirus and, and face masks and opinion about race relations and protests and, and politics has only made this worse, this thing that I want to talk about today. Right? It's so very normal and not only is it not working for us in, in, in some of the relationships we have with one another, but it's also incredibly dangerous. This thing that I want to talk about that has become so normal today, it's also incredibly dangerous Uh, to our future as a church. And interestingly enough, what is concerning to me today, it isn't necessarily something new. Okay? Because it's actually something that one of the most prominent churches in the first century, these are the days right after Jesus walked the earth, it's actually something that one of the most prominent churches in the first century experienced as well. And I think we can learn from them. And so today, I, I want us to, to, to do a couple things. I want us to, to see what it is that, that I'm suggesting has become so normal. I want us to see how it is that we might start to, to fix it. And, and maybe most importantly, I want us to see why this is something that we need to take very, very seriously. And so to do so, uh, we're going to look into this situation in the days of the New Testament uh, regarding uh, a church in the city of Ephesus. Now, if you're one of those Bible experts out there, you might think that I would be turning then to the book of Ephesians, which was Paul's letter written to the church that he started in Ephesus. But I'm not going to do that today. Instead, I want to turn to the book of Revelation. Very last book in the Bible. Revelation uh, was a book of prophecy or of, of, of divine prediction that Jesus himself inspired John uh, to write as a message for everyone to hear. And within this book of Revelation, 
as a whole. Within the book as a whole, there's a, a section uh, of writings where John wrote what were supposed to be letters uh, addressed to the seven prominent churches uh, in the first century world. And these letters were predictions and, and warnings to those churches, in a sense, about how they had, had strayed from truly following Jesus and what was at stake because of it. Okay? And it's the, it's the letter and it's the prediction and it's the, the, the warning that it's addressed to the church in Ephesus that I want to read today. Because while I'm not suggesting that Midcurrent is, is one of the 21st century's most prominent uh, leading churches in, in the world, I do believe that God is at work here and that Midcurrent is positioned on our little corner of the world to make a huge kingdom impact on all of western Wisconsin and beyond. And I don't want anything, I don't want anything to compromise that. As a result, this letter to the church in Ephesus gets my attention. And here's how it begins. Okay, John is writing uh, on Jesus' behalf and he addressed the, the church in Ephesus like this. He says, I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked or, or evil people. And that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. He says, you have persevered and endured hardships for not my name and have not grown weary. Right? In other words, Jesus is saying to them, hey, well done, folks. I mean, hats off to you for all of the good that you have done in my name. You have stayed uh, true to, uh, you know, to the, what is true about my teaching. Right? Now, I know we're just kind of a, a young church getting started, but in some ways I could imagine Jesus' words to us now uh, being the very same thing. Hey, mid-current, hey, man, good work, gang. I mean, church planting is, is hard work, and if you all persevered and, and you've endured all sorts of hardships and you're setting up and taking down every week and rolling things in and out of trailers and you're cramming your kids down into the basement and, and then pivoting to church online, all for my name. Hey, I can just hear him saying, hey, thank you. Well done, Midcurrent. Right? This is the encouragement uh, for the church in Ephesus. But then here's the very next verse. Verse 4, and yet I hold this against you. Uh-oh, <laughs> I mean, that, that doesn't sound good, right? Some, some translations say, this is my one complaint. Okay, hey, 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 well done, everybody, but this is my one complaint. Here's what he says. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Great work. You've done a lot of good. But here's the one thing that, 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 that I'm holding against you. You've forsaken the love that you had at first. What, what, what love is he referring to? Most biblical scholars believe this is referring to the love that, that people in the church had for one another. Okay, the love that, that, that people had for, for, for their neighbor. The love they had for the other members of that church that was forming in the community that they were a part of. Great work over here. But, but here's my one complaint. You have forsaken the love that you used to have for each other. 
Friends, can I, can I just lovingly suggest that, that I think we are dangerously close to being in the same boat. I mean, I think that the same thing could very well or maybe is very well happening in our communities and in our neighborhood and even in our churches today. And when I really think on that, okay, it makes me realize exactly what it is that I have been feeling like it has become so normal today for so many people. Here it is. Unfriending is normal. Unfriending. It's normal. Okay? And when I say unfriending, I'm not just talking about Facebook. Okay, sure, we've all unfriended someone from time to time for one reason or another. And that's not totally what I'm getting at. But what I am seeing more and more is that unfriending is happening so much quicker in, in, in our real, everyday relationships. Right? When we discover that someone feels differently than we do about something significant happening in the world today, sadly, it, it feels like it's just becoming normal to not only unfriend them, so to speak, but it feels like it's normal to then be unkind to them and uncaring and unloving toward them. Right? Our, our ability to, to, to love and to respect and to honor one another and to live in a diverse community together, it is deteriorating right oh you voted like this yeah I can't be friends with you oh oh, you put that sign in your front yard yeah nice knowing you sucker right oh that's what you think about face masks yeah well you're an idiot now that might seem unrealistic or that might seem harsh or maybe that seems silly to you I don't know but truthfully uh, I, I see this all the time. Right? I, I, it's not just something I've read about in an article. I, I see this all the time when, and hear this all the time with, with people that I know, people that I love. I bet you can remember a time when, when, when your, your, your brother-in-law or your, your boss or your coworker or your neighbor made a comment about something and you thought to yourself, kind of disappointedly, you thought to yourself, oh, I, I didn't realize that they thought like, that I didn't know that they believed like that and if you're honest it changed your relationship it changed your uh, your uh, you know perception of them right from that moment on things were never quite the same all because you believed uh, all because you learned that they believed fill in the blank so I think it's becoming more and more normal today. And truthfully, this trend has, I think, been building for a while now, right? We are becoming more and more divided than we ever have, right? Every conversation in the world today seems as though it results in, in the drawing of dividing lines, right? You're, you're either with me or you're against me, right? Everything is us versus them. And as a result, our communities and our workplaces and our neighborhoods and our churches even, they aren't the most loving places to be anymore. Our world, in case you haven't noticed that our world is not the most loving place to be anymore. And truthfully, it was this dynamic, it was this very same dynamic that threatened to ruin the influence and to ruin the impact and the message of the church in Ephesus, one of the most prominent and influential churches in the days following Jesus' life and ministry and death and a resurrection. 
And so they're kind of being warned in this letter. Right? Jesus, through John, his messenger, maybe saying, hey, y'all, y'all done so much good. You've worked hard for me and you haven't given up, given up and you've stayed true to me. But you've stopped loving each other like you once did. I think the warning is that all the good work for Jesus doesn't really mean anything if people aren't loving each other. And friends, I think the same is true for us. Right? You can tithe and give and volunteer and sacrifice and you show up early at church and you can stay late helping out with everything that we need to do. You can read your Bible every day. You can be really spiritual and vote the way that you think Jesus would tell you to vote, right? But if you're unfriending people, if you're unloving toward people because they do or don't wear a mask or because they did or didn't put a blackout picture on their uh, you know, profile you know, online, right? then it's all for nothing. Right? So here's uh, the, the, the advice that, that, that John delivers on Jesus' behalf, and I think it's great advice for us. It's verse 5. It says this, Consider how far you have fallen. Repent, it means turn back, right? Turn back and do the things you did at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Consider where it is that you have fallen from and turn back to do the things that you did at first. I think this is really suggesting to us what it is that starts to reverse this trend that we are seeing, right? It's getting back to the way things were for the sake of the way things could be. In our future together. Now, I'm not saying we need some kind of return to the, you know, the, the old glory days. I'm not saying that the, you know, our best days are behind us. But I think there was a day when we used to get a whole, uh, we used to get along a whole lot better than we do today. So, so what is this really saying to us? Consider how far you have fallen. What's it saying? I think it's saying, hey, tr- try to try to remember. How you felt about that person, but before you learned of their, their, their masking preference, right? Try to remember how much you enjoyed that person's company and how much fun you had together before you found out how they voted in 2016. Remember how you used to, you used to think they were such you know, great parents until you found out their you know, views on homeschooling or vaccinations or, or something else, right? Try to remember the days when, when you were drawn to people by what you had in common rather than, 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 than separating because of what was different. Right? Remember when, when you all used to gather together because of one simple thing that you had in common. That you were lost and now you're found. Try to remember when people held certain opinions a little closer to the vest. Not because their ideas were, were taboo or inappropriate because they weren't worth fighting over. They weren't worth unfriending over. They weren't worth unloving over if it was the only foreseeable outcome. No, the church in Ephesus, it wasn't fighting over pandemics and and political campaigns, but it seems like they were fighting about something. And Jesus was concerned about it. Because here is his warning to them. Okay? He, he asked them to, to, to repent and to turn back and to do the things that they used to do. And then here's the very next verse. If you do not repent, if you do not turn back, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. 
What does that mean? What, what's a lampstand? It's a great question. A lampstand uh, throughout the book of Revelation is a symbol, right? Revelation is, is full of symbols and of imagery, right? And throughout the book, a lampstand was a symbol for a church and for its influence and light in the world. And so the warning here is that if the church in Ephesus can't demonstrate love for one another, that they used to have for one another, their influence in the world, okay, their role as messengers of the greatest news ever, it won't exist much longer. And here's what that says to me for us, right? The light we shine, if, 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 if we're a lampstand, if we're a light here in, in western Wisconsin, right? The light that we shine depends on the love that we show. If we're going to be a light, then the light that we shine depends on the love that we show, right? So if we show up at church on, on Sunday and smile and shake hands and make sure we're, we're, we're on our uh, you know, best behavior, but then trash people who don't think like us on Monday, I think the people around us will start to be confused. Show up one way on Sunday, but then trash people on Monday, right? People will be confused. The two won't seem to fit very well together. And our light will grow dimmer. And your influence will grow smaller. And that's concerning to me. About our influence and about your influence. That's concerning to me because I believe that God wants us and I believe that God is calling us right here at Midcurrent to be a bright, bright light in a very dark world right here in the St. Croix Valley. In fact, in Matthew chapter 5, Verse 14, Jesus said to, to his followers then, and I think he's saying it to us now. He said, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Midcurrent, I believe that God has positioned us to be a city on a hill that, that is illuminated for all to see. I believe that God has positioned you in your neighborhood or in your workplace or in your school to, to, to be a light that shines brightly for everyone to see no matter where it is and when it is that they are looking at it, right? It should not be a light that shines only on Sunday. And folks, let me just tell you, I think people today are desperate to see a light. All people, not just church people, not just religious people, irreligious people, everybody. I think people are desperate to see a light. They're desperate for hope. They're desperate for joy. They're desperate for community, for being accepted even though they don't have it all together. They're desperate for a place to belong. They're desperate to be seen and to be noticed. They're desperate for some bit of good news. They're desperate for kindness and for compassion and for empathy and for understanding from just someone in their life. And I believe that that place and that that community and that that hope and that joy and that light could come from us could come from you. If that's going to be the case, we've got to understand that the light that we shine, it's going to depend on the love 
that we show. And so let me ask you today. Is there someone in your life today, some relationship that wasn't or isn't like it once was? Is there there someone that, that you need to love like you used to? Is there someone in your family or your office or, or your class or, or your neighborhood or is someone here at Midcurrent even maybe that you need to love like you used to? Is, is, there, is there a whole group of people that you have you know, placed in a box, right, and then like unchecked that box from your life, right? Is there a whole group of people that you need to start loving and respecting and honoring again. I I didn't say agreeing with again. I said loving again. Is there someone in your life that you need to start loving like you once did? And I'm telling that you I'm not telling you that you can't have passionate beliefs about how to live or how to pray or how to vote or how to parent, right? You should have strong beliefs that you stand up for. I do. But what often happens is that because of what we believe so strongly, we draw boundaries so tightly that others can't find their way in. I just can't help but wonder, wouldn't it be easier to go through life when you are free to just love and respect and honor people, treat them with some sense of decency without having to first find out how they feel about X, Y, or Z? Wouldn't it be so much easier to just be free to love and to respect and honor someone who at the end of the day is exactly like you? Exactly like me. A flawed, imperfect, busted, broken down, beat up sinner who was saved by an amazing grace that not one single person deserved. See, it felt like there used to be a day when that was the case. And I can't help but wonder if, if that's the only thing worth going back to these days. Because I'm not so much interested in getting back to normal when, when normal is a shrinking list of uh, approved people who I can associate with. But I'm wondering if getting back to the way things were when we love and, and respected others in, in the churches and the communities we're a part of can't help but wonder if, if it's getting back to the way things were, that it's the key to the way things could be in our future together. Our future together as friends, as, as families, as neighborhoods and church communities that Jesus wants to be a city on a hill in a place where people are drawn to that light. We may not always agree but I think we can all get along in fact I would suggest that we need to if the light that we contain is going to keep shining let me pray hey God we give you 
thanks for this day and for this opportunity, albeit one that is very different for so many of us. God, we're grateful for an opportunity to open our hearts and to, uh, you know, open ourselves to you to give you thanks, to honor you, to, to, to ask that, that we would hear from you, God. We give you thanks for that opportunity today. And God, I'm just praying that you might help each of us see in our own life where it is that, that, that we have been unfriending too much or, or too quickly. God, where, where it is that we have maybe been unloving too much or, or, or too quickly in our lives. God, because it's so easy. I know this to be true. It's so easy to, to hear that, that someone in our life thinks X, Y, Z, and then to think, man, maybe we've got to start to you know, distance ourselves from them, or maybe we, you know, we can't be friends with them, and, 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 and then it just kind of goes downhill from there, God. So I'm just praying that you might help each of us to see in our lives where it is that we need to get back to the love that we used to have for each other. Help us to get back to to, to a place, God, where we really did come together because of the one simple amazing truth that we were recipients of grace that we did not deserve but that you gave to us. God, help us to to unite around that one simple truth in as many ways as we can. We give you thanks for it, God. And if there's anybody watching today or tuning in today who has not accepted that free gift of grace, who has not said uh, yes uh, to to, to your son Jesus and into life and to a relationship with him, God, I pray that right now, God, you might be knocking on the door of their heart, inviting them to accept the amazing grace that they did not deserve but that you gave so freely anyway. God, we pray that you would continue to help us keep our eyes towards you, our hearts open to you. God, may we continue to follow after you where it is that you are leading us. God, may our our lives and may our families and may our communities and may our churches, God, and may this church, Mid-Current Church, be a bright, bright light in this world today. We're asking for your help in doing that. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, well, as always, if, if, if you did say yes to a relationship with Jesus, yes to the, the amazing grace that God does offer us, even though we didn't deserve it, um, I for one would love to know because I would love to be uh, cheering you on. I would love for you to know that I'm in your corner. If that's you, I would just love to have you send uh, a very simple email. I said yes to yes at midcurrentchurch.org. Uh, I want to be able to, uh, to, to follow up with you as soon as I can. Other than that, if you are watching uh, live on Sunday morning, we hope to see you tonight at our pop-up picnic. It's going to be a lot of fun, plenty of space for us to be together in safe and in really fun ways. So I hope to see you then. Uh, If not then, I'll see you next week online for the final week in our series, Back to Normal. Have a great week.